0: So before I start the camera, I just want to let you know that I'm going to give like an introduction about myself. I'm going to be um, basing this on that it's going to be shown to people who are not Jewish as well. So if I sound a little like, oh, we know all about this. You know, I'm talking to very s- simple uh, things that you know already. Don't don't worry, It's uh, there's a method to my madness. Okay, so let's go, let's go. Okay, so thank you all for coming. Uh, we're gonna have a little session now about storytelling and filmmaking. Now, many of you may not even think you're gonna be filmmakers or storytellers. You might think it's it's just, it's just something that's completely uh, alien to me. It's not something that I could ever imagine getting involved with, but you'd be surprised how many people out there are aspiring filmmakers or aspire, uh, uh, aspiring storytellers, and they don't even know it. They need it. They just need coaxing and encouragement. Encouragement. So, hopefully, this will be this will be the uh, the key for them. So, let me tell you a little bit about myself and where I've come from. So, um, I am a filmmaker. I'm also a musician. And uh, <clears throat> I'm a, a drone pilot. If that means anything to you, I fly drones. Um, and I'm a rabbi as well. Mustn't forget that. I sometimes do, but uh, I've got loads of. Sh- I've got lectures on Torah anytime, so I'm busy with that. I'm a teacher as well. I teach Torah, and uh, I have chavrutot as well. So half of my day is spent with with teaching and learning, and the other half is spent. Are the other two thirds, let's say, it's a third teaching and learning, a third working and a third family, very approximately. So I have a very full day. Now, how did I get into this whole filmmaking business? Well, this is the bit that I think um, might be notable for, for people out there, in that I have absolutely no experience whatsoever. I just about scraped by with um, Five, I don't remember, five or, or six O levels. You don't know what O levels are. GCSEs, you probably relate to. Before then, there was something called O levels. I've got two A levels, right? My grades are awful. I tried to get into uni to do media studies, funnily enough. Didn't get in. Went straight to work, daddy's business, blah, 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 blah. Went to Israel, did Shuvah, the whole business, and then got into this thing. How did I get into this thing? Well, I'll tell you how it started. Um, at my mitzvah, back, we're back in the day, people would give pens and books and things like that. Everyone had the same thing, or money, just give a check. I had an uncle. His name was Mr. Levi Kalati. He actually started Old Yosef Funny enough. Yeah. So he must have asked my father, what, what is your son interested in? So my father must have told him he he likes film. He likes to make. He's very creative. So he bought me my only surviving bar mitzvah present, apart from I have a I have a, a chumash at home. One present for all the people who came to my mitzvah, and that was a cine camera. So he saw, he thought, what would what would inspire him to do something creative? Maybe he could make a film, and that's what I did. I, I was since I was thirteen. I was making films. Um, when I was eighteen, I made three uh, short films with like-minded people, and after a long while, I got back into it. I made three more films. These are more on a professional level. I made a film called *The Unspoken*, uh, which is about uh, a tr- based on a true story about a, a couple who get married and. Uh, She gets a present and she loses it. It's a very important uh, family heirloom that she was given. I made a film called Epiphany, uh, which is about, uh, again, a true story about a Holocaust survivor and how he has his life, uh, how his life plays out after the war when he escaped to England. And finally, I made a fictional piece called, um, called Sonder, which is again about a Holocaust survivor and this one starred somebody called Keir Delea, who is a famous actor. He was in a film called 2001, The Space Odyssey. Now, again, I will repeat, why am I telling you all this? Because I have zero experience. I got myself into this film business because it's something that I like. And if I like it, I want to know what, how I can do it. And that doesn't necessarily mean studying for three years to know how to do it. I, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with going to uni and studying. I definitely am not saying that. What I'm saying is if you are in a position that you feel you haven't you haven't got much to offer in your life, you haven't got the grades, you never went to uni, you can still do something that you like. If you put your passion into it, you will be successful. That's the general rule. Okay, so with with all that in mind, now that we've got that all out of the way, let me give you a few tips about if you want to make a film, how to make a film. Number one, this is the probably the most important point. Don't be afraid to start because we say in Judaism, every beginning has its own challenges. If it's something you want to do, it's not going to be handed to you on a plate. God's not going to hand it to you on a plate. You've got to work for it because you've got to show your passion for something and then you'll find it, you'll you have that lift off. That's how I started in it. So if you want to do something, there's going to be challenges in the beginning. With filmmaking, there's challenges that go along the way as well, but you feel you can handle it. In the beginning, the biggest challenge is, can I do it? Well, you know, you know, if you throw yourself in. So that's number one. Number two, if you know, if you think of a story you wanna tell, make sure it's a very, the story has a flow. It's got characters that are strong. They are working towards goals that you can identify with. You can watch, you can understand what they're doing. And these things are portrayed in terms of two things. One is visual action. So things that you watch doesn't necessarily have to have dialogue, but you could be led by um, just visual representation. The other one is dialogue. Speech, when you speak, you see somebody speaking, you learn where they want to go, what they're doing. My personal preference is to portray a story more through visual media than through speaking. Because it's easier when you see people speaking about things it's easier to tell where they're at. It's much more difficult to portray it through visual, but you know what? You're going to remember it more when you see it. That's going to, It's going to have an impact on you. Okay, number three. We're doing try to do this very quickly. Use your film to express deep emotions, meaning don't make a film that's dry, pure, boring. Go within yourself when you write your storyline Make it something that's gonna come from the heart. It's gonna be cathartic. That word word means it's gonna be like a healing for you. If you're dealing with a subject that's sensitive, like um, my film Epiphany, which was about Holocaust survival, was very cathartic for me, even though I'm not Ashkenazi, I'm not from a family who had people who passed away in the Holocaust, but I related to it as you, I'm sure you do as well. And it was extremely cathartic for me because it pushed me out into into a world where I was unfamiliar. I couldn't really relate, and and that will if if you are expressing things which are coming from deep within you, then these things will be engaging. And you have to ask yourself the question: What will inspire you? What will inspire you if you saw that visually, or even if you heard it as a story, as a like a uh, audio book? What would inspire you that's that's what inspired me ironically to call my film company Spirit Lift films because these are films that are literally meant to lift your spirit you're supposed to leave the, the cinema or wherever you're watching the film inspired and with a message I always say my film company was not set up for um, entertainment for entertainment's sake I don't, there's no point in me there's plenty of other people out there who can entertain you with things that I couldn't even begin to, to, to work with because it, that's not of interest to me. I don't wanna, I don't wanna show you an action film or a, comic, or a romantic comedy or something like that. You're not gonna get anything other than a few laughs and a few days later you've forgotten about it. I wanna give you something you can take away and learn from and inspire you. Okay, number four, this is also very important. What's the best way to, to make a film? Write about what you know. All of us out there have had some life experiences, which if you speak them out with people, they're going to be interesting. You know, it, it could be that you you were at the bus stop and you met somebody who told you about something and you went out other and Some story that people will be gripped by because it's, it's interesting and it happened to you. It's your story. So find something that that you know about. That's a great way to start. And there's a, there's a, a writer who, some of you may be familiar with called Stephen King. He's a horror writer. He's written oodles and oodles of books and he's made movies. I haven't seen all of them. I've seen a few of them. I've read a few of them rather. All the ones that I've read are all about the same place. Banger in Maine. I don't know where, Maine, Maine is, a, is a, uh, somewhere in America. And he, yeah. there's a place there called Banger, not the Banger that we know in the UK. Banger in, in America. Why yeah. did he write films about that place? Because that's where he's from. That's what he knows. So he's writing about things he can relate to. And because he knows about that, then he can portray that like the storyteller that he is. He can portray that to other people and other people can get get into his mind and into his world, as opposed to creating a fictitious world, which you don't know anything about. That's a good way to start Write about what you know and use people around you, people in your circle of friends. Bounce ideas off them. They might um, be interested in the film where you are to write about, um, I don't know, it could be anything, it could be a comedy, it could be a, a drama. You might have an idea, share it with them. People that you know, people that you trust, people that are not going to tell you, oh, it's fantastic, don't, you know, it's going to be brilliant. You don't want that response. You want them to tell you the truth. If it's rubbish, they'll tell you. If it's good, they'll tell you that as well. They use people around you that you trust because they are the ones who are going to believe in you. Number five, when you're writing your story, uh, get your story perfect as best as you can. Get, get the script written preferably. Once you've done that, share it with other people as well. That's the second stage of sharing and get other people's opinion. When, when um, I was collaborating with um, with my friend Joseph Morel when we wrote Sonder, by the way, we we won... Uh, a, f- a few months ago, we won the award for best actor at the LA Film Festival. That was for um, Keir Delaire's performance in our film as the lead actor. So, um, thank God that's, do- that's doing well. It's going around the film festivals. So, it's important when you get to the certain stage where you feel you can't do anymore, share it with other people. Joseph Morel, the director, shared his story with about 10 people. I also shared it with a few people and people gave us the most extraordinary responses. They were like, I can't relate to this character. I don't understand. what Is, is this the father, is this the son? What about this character? Is, is this supposed to be the son at an early age? All these issues we had because people couldn't quite get what we were doing. So we adjusted the plot, the script to accommodate for those um, uh, uh, thoughts that people had when they initially Uh, saw the the script because um, once you get to a certain stage you become blind to it you're you're so involved in it that you need another pair of eyes to come and look from the outside and say wow that's amazing oh no I wouldn't have put that in there now obviously you're not going to listen to everything but if five people tell you the same thing that's a big sign you have to change because like my father, I love, I love, I love a Me always used to say if one person thinks you're right, there's gonna be a thousand people who think you're right. One person thinks you're wrong, there's gonna be a thousand other people that think you're wrong as well. So you need to take on board at least, whether you're gonna change it or not is another thing. Take it on board. It's, a, it's a, a resource is open to you and you should avail yourself of it. Number six, work with like minded collaborators. You can't be an all singing, all dancing producer, director, filmmaker, actor, cameraman, lighting expert, um, sound recordist. You can't do it all by yourself. You could know all about those things, but you cannot be an all singing, all dancing, one man band. It doesn't work unless you're at a Jewish wedding, which goes, you have to do everything. You have to do everything by yourself and nobody will help you, right? But on the other side of that, when you're making a film and you, you have a set and you have a cast and you have a crew, you need to work with people who are on your wavelength. you will be surprised who's on your wavelength. I, thank God I'm on LinkedIn, it's my only social media. I do not do Facebook, I do not do Instagram, I don't do um, Twitter, I don't do any of that stuff. That stuff is fair. not interesting me at all. LinkedIn is my one and only portal and it's more than enough for me, more than enough for me. I've got 30,000 connections now just bubbling under. Um, And the amount of people, when I introduce my work and I ask people, um, do you wanna get involved? I get a tremendous response. At the moment, I'm working on a a series, a documentary series on men's mental health, which um, we've now got um, what's called a pitch deck, which is like a a synopsis of where we wanna go with the series, how many parts, what's included in each part of the series. We've got, we're working on a proof of concept, which is like a sample of what we're doing, uh, so we can take it to investors. And the response has been amazing. So there are like-minded people out there who won't think your work is invalid. They want, they want to join you, they're genuinely inspired. Find those people, work with those people. because Those are the people who are gonna, you're gonna bounce ideas off and your project will only benefit from uh, uh, like-minded collaborators. Number seven, study other films. This, I have to preface this, kosher ones. Don't go watching films that are not kosher. There's plenty, you'd be surprised, plenty of kosher content out there that you can watch. There's not enough, but there's enough to keep you going. So any of my films are kosher. I can point you to the direction of, um, there are from filmmakers out there. Beryl Solomon is one. No. you right. No, yeah. there, there, there's people like um, Mayor Kay. Um, there's a people who made um, that film about Sukkot, what was it called? The... Uh, um, the film at Sokop new. What was it called? The seven people. The seven people who come every day. or What are they called the Ushpizin. The film Ushpizin. Mm-hmm. Excellent film. Hundred percent kosher. Made to a very high level of production. Fantastic film. There is content out there. Study what they're doing. It doesn't have to be a Jewish film. You can copy. You can borrow. You can pay homage. You can uh, be inspired. You don't have to be completely 100% original because whatever's going to come for you is going to have your signature on it anyway. So you can be, definitely be inspired by other people's work, but make sure you do your homework. Number eight, use experienced cast and crew. I, uh, um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you now what my mistakes are because I only learn from my mistakes. I don't suffer from my mistakes, I learn from them. I made, a, I made a mistake in the first first film that I did, although I'm still very proud of it. All the actors, there must have been about maybe 15, 16 actors in it. None of them were actors. They were all amateurs. Now, most of them did a, did a good job. There was a couple of bits of overacting. Um, and truth is, I could have directed them a bit better. It was my first proper production so i was a bit green i think i would have benefited if i would have a coached them in their parts and b or i could have just used uh uh, actors real actors who had that experience and you'd be surprised there are so many actors out there There there's so many portals for finding actors that you can definitely um find a good cast to work with you and it doesn't have to break the budget whether you're funding it by yourself or you're using uh things like uh, gofundme or any other crowdfunding platform which i have used um you'll be able to fit something in into your budget number nine again i for me this is very important use subtleties don't underestimate people's intelligence you don't have to Chuck the storyline in the face and say, here's the story. Do you understand it? Okay, I'll repeat it again. No, here's the third. No, don't worry about it. Be subtle. The third film I made called Sonder was riddled with subtleties. In fact, I would say you cannot watch it for the first time and understand it. If you think you've understood it, you haven't. You have to watch it a second time because you won't know, is this the father? Is this the son? Who's this woman in there? Is it the mother? It doesn't make sense when you watch it again with the knowledge about the ending. You'll be able to backtrack and work out what's going on. That's successful filmmaking. You don't want to chuck it in their face because you're, you're. It's. It'll devalue your film. Give them something to think about. That they're going to think, "Well, was this meant to happen here, or could this character have meant something else other than what I thought?" And you'll be thinking about it. That's how you you'll have a film that will be memorable. So use subtlety. Number 10, you have to make sacrifices. When you make a film, it's the same with any art form, with music or any other painting or anything. You've got to put yourself into it 110%. You'll have to work all the hours of the day. Um, I'll give you an example. My wife works in the whiskey business, not, not, not far from here in Temple Fortune. My wife works about 16 hours a day without exaggeration. She goes early in the morning, relatively early in the morning. She comes back about maybe 10, between 10 and midnight, sometimes even 1 a.m. because she's the boss, it's her It's her business. She's the one who's running the business. Other people, of course, she has people working with her, but she's the life and soul of the business. So she puts in all her koah. And Baruch Hashem, thank God she's seen Results now, after after a few years, the business is very buoyant. You wouldn't get that from somebody who goes in nine to five and finds a way of you know leaving early. And... No, you've got to put yourself in 100%. You have to make sacrifices, because in this life, nothing will be handed to you on a plate. Nothing, nothing. And if you think it's handed you on a plate, you would have got more if you were to work for it. So make sure you work for it. Number 11, plant and pay off. Okay, this is a film term. It means your audience, they want to see the repercussions of the character's actions. So if if your character in your film takes a certain route, we want to know where's that going to end up. He's made this move. He's left, he's, um, uh, give an example, he's left school at an early age. So what's going to happen to him? Is he going to just disappear? Or are we going to learn the repercussions of what he's doing? Everything has a, has a payoff and a playoff. So you want to know, that's part of character development. They take a certain route. Well, what's it teaching me? So that's very important. Build that into your story. Number 12 this is a bit of a technical thing. Work on production design. Again, I'll tell you how I, um, the mistakes I made. The film Epiphany, I was working on uh, props the, up to the day before the shoot i was completely unaware i luckily Baruch Hashem, thank god i had somebody uh, a production assistant who was absolutely completely on the case and helped me a lot otherwise i never i, I never knew about all the subtleties of pre-production pre-production things like locations mean if you're going to shoot in a certain place you have to go and do a recce you have to go there beforehand see where I'm on the camera for this shot what about the lighting? Where's my um, sound recorder going to be? Where he's not going to have his boom pole sticking in the frame? All these things mm-hmm. you have to think about. Because yet yeah, you'll be surprised how many um, films have been established. They've got little errors in them. Like again, not just the boom pole sticking in the. You've all, you've all seen that sticks in the picture. Like mm-hmm. oh, oh, get that out of the frame. <laughs> yeah, things like um, um, jump cuts that are just they look amateur. You don't have one character speaking and then a cut and then he continues speaking it's like out of sequence things like this you'll be surprised you have to work on on that in terms of production design go to your locations see where you're filming organise your set have a set dresser who's going to look at the set and make sure everything looks like the period that you're shooting in we had to shoot um, The Unforgiven in an 80s set uh, was it eight? yes it was 80s also Um, Epiphany was also set in the 80s funnily enough so we had to have no mobile phones there were no iPhones in the 80s yeah Um, technology was definitely had to be dumbed down there was a lot of things like that imagine if you're shooting a scene and you've got like an iPad in the background and and it's supposed to be 1983 oh that's going to be on Rotten Tomatoes yeah (laughs) yeah, all these things you have to think through props what do you need to make the set work somebody has to grab Something, it's got, to, it's got to look realistic. In Sonder, we had uh, a box which contained a scroll which had some Hebrew writing on it. The director is not Jewish. He deferred to me. So we, we spent ages looking for the correct box, looking for the shmata that it was wrapped up in before it was buried in the ground. He he made me write a billion times a certain pasuk, a verse on a paper. We had to throw tea onto it, make it look old. All these things took time. To these takes. Could take days in and of themselves. You have to think about these things. Furnishings. Does the set look right? Is the settee where it's supposed to be? Is is there a chair that doesn't look right? All these things we have got to think about. Vehicles. Sometimes you, you uh, have vehicles that may not look in place. Wardrobe. People have to be wearing the right things. Makeup. You have to have somebody there on set the whole day. Uh, not just making somebody up and letting them go. They've got to be constantly made up makeup wears off all these things i think of it's not down here but hair as well hair gets out of place after people have brushing their hair and stuff like that all these things have to think about even for the the most low budget short film these things all count and they will um you will suffer if you don't get them right number 13 tell the story your job as a director or a storyteller um, or a producer is to tell the story. There are other people there on set who are going to do all the technical things for you. Now you could be a micromanager, and every shot you do, you go to your cinematographer or DOP, director of photography, and, and say to him, look, I want it in this angle, and, there's a... and then you look over his shoulder into the, the director's monitor for every single shot, and you're telling him, okay, these things, some people do all these things and it works well, but you don't have to prioritize that when you've just got to worry, you've got to be You've got to look peripherally at the whole picture and see how's this going to play out. Instruct your crew what they have to do and then leave them to it. Concentrate on telling the story. That's your job as a director. Um, use storyboards. A storyboard is um, a shot by shot Um, visual um, aid where you see each shot you see a medium shot like a shot with a few people in it a a close-up a close-up of somebody's face maybe the top of his torso these are all done pictorially and you can follow the whole story through these little boxes almost like a cartoon very important or that might not be your thing you might want to do a shot list shot number one uh, close-up camera is to the right uh, lighting, three-point lighting here, whatever. Organize it, but just don't do it on the fly. Um, do it, create it beforehand, give the instructions to your crew, and then get on with working on the, the on being outside of the frame and looking at the story. Number 14, this is a Moussara, this is a big life lesson. Challenge yourself. Don't stick with what you know, and don't keep going with what you know. Make every film, every stage, something which is gonna gonna bring you to a new new, uh, avenue for you. If you do the same thing every time, your work will look staid and boring. Try something else. It might not be your comfort zone, but it'll work for you because you'll rise to the occasion and you'll push yourself. Very important in every facet of life, not just filmmaking. Number 15. Film what you want to be shown. If you want to show a scene that's dramatic, film it like that. You know, be assertive. Go for what you what you want, not what other people are telling you you should do. I want it, I want to show this, I'm gonna work with this. Technically, you can get people to help you achieve that, but film what you want to be shown. But get the basic shots as well. There are certain things you have to do. Otherwise, your film won't be like a film, it'll be like a a, a collection of odd clips. So you need to have establishing shots. Show your scene. Let's say you're filming in the Khazap Ch- building. You want to see a nice big exterior shot, a wide shot to show you the building, the street. Maybe when you're inside, maybe like a, a room shot that shows you just the area that you that you that this action is going on in. Show two characters. These two characters are talking to each other. Show them as shot with the two of them then focus in close up head and shoulders maybe even the eyes that's a like an extreme close up work these things out get the get the basic shots but be adventurous as well number 16 lighting i cannot emphasize the importance of correct lighting there are cinematographers and there are amateurs out there the difference is lighting anyone can pick up an iphone and film and get a good result if your lighting is correct, it will take your film to the next level. It will bring it bring it beyond iPhone. So lighting, this means a character could be sitting in a room, it's actually fairly dark, you'll have like a bedside light, which will give you like an eerie yellow light, or you might have um, uh, somebody by a window, you'll see half his face lit from the outside, like a very subtle side light. All these things give your film dimension. You're not going to get that with a iPhone unless you know what you're doing. Some people can. But the lighting is essential. My film, Sonder, I think practically every person I showed the, the um, trailer and Homer, the, the real film, they all said the same thing. The lighting is superb. It's a black and white film. It's lit fantastically. The, the beach scenes at night, our lighting guy, um, his name is Diogo. I'll just give, a bit, give him a bit of a plug. Hmm. He he lit up the beach at night. He lit literally he had these massive lights. He had these massive reflectors for the daytime to block out the sun. Literally from there to there, like nine metres long, six metres high, massive reflector. What's the point of all that? Because it gives your film a cinematic look. It's going to take it beyond the video you're going to see on TikTok. <laughs> Right. And all these, all these other things, right? You, you want to make your film outstanding. So invest in good lighting. Now, we're nearly finished. Number 17, create an emotional connection between your characters and your audience. People who watch it, they want to be invested in those characters. What's he teaching me? He might be a good guy. He might be a bad guy. He might be somebody who's bad, who's really good. That, that, those are the anti-heroes. So you want to know, where's this guy taking me? I haven't seen it, but I'll tell you, I've heard a lot about it. I wouldn't recommend watching it because I've heard it's not very kosher, but there's a film called The Joker. Oh. And The Joker, um, I keep hearing people telling me his character is is, is three-dimensional. It's the way he he he's like, he's somebody you love and somebody you hate, or you just can't understand him. He's got this whole angst thing going on and to, for me that's that's a fascinating character that's not somebody who's there just saying lines he's somebody who's got that three dimensional thing you might not like the person but you can certainly understand him and you can relate and maybe even empathize um, give them a reason for your audience to relate to these characters that are oh, this is important that your storyline it's not gonna be enough to hold up the film What will hold up the film is the characters. You can have um, a plot that's a bit dodgy, but the characters are really strong. And you can have a a film where you've got a good plot, but the characters are weak. The one that will succeed is the one where the characters are real. You can relate to them because people will come back for for another installment for characters that are strong and that you can relate to or you can understand. Um, even if they're not likable, you can still empathize with them. Number 18, leave time for post-production. Don't think you can make a film, get it in the can and halas, that's it. No, that's two thirds of the picture. The other third or maybe even more is post-production. Picture, you've got to have your film edited where you can get it to to a place where it's called picture lock. You, you, You lock the picture, you get it edited, then you've got to work on, uh, um, um, Colorization, a coloring uh, 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 where you get the film in terms of the right contrast, the right coloring. There's things like dialogue. The dialogue you shoot on the film may not be the dialogue that you use. You've to cut things out, things like that. Um, sound effects. It's a big part of film. You have things happening in the background. If you watch a film in the cinema, there's so many subtleties you're hearing because because the sound design is really incredible um foley that's another thing foley means when you create a sound effects using uh weird things that people do beforehand I'll, I'll give you an example you know when you see somebody being stabbed and you hear the knife entering the flesh and it sort of goes like that i can't do it very well there's somebody beforehand who's taken a melon or a um, a melon or a mango and stuck a knife in it and twisted it around that sound will create the sound of someone being stabbed you don't have to kill somebody to get the right sound (laughs) you can you can you can replicate it that's called foley backgrounds are your backgrounds correct when you this is more like for when you film you've got to make sure I'll give you an example when um, when I filmed Epiphany there was a scene we shot in um, the Pillar Hotel which is just here down the road Mm -hmm. We shot a scene in the, um, the the they use it for a shul now. Uh, it's it's called the I can't remember what it's called. It's, you'll see it's off the off the courtyard. You go in there. There's all it's all like dark wood. And we shot a scene with a Nazi and uh, a father and a son, both Jewish. And we shot from the back out, so we could see the door. Okay, when the Nazi came and pulled out the the sun from the thing he opened the door and for a split second you can see a transit van in the background for literally a, a fraction of a second i never noticed it the cinematographer never noticed it when he filmed it we didn't notice it in post-production only right at the end when the same guy who filmed it watched he went transit van 20th century It's a hundred years out of date so we had to go and we had to do this crazy thing with matte layering and and had to phase it out. It was a whole gunsabicer. Mm. Just for one second of a, like a transit van in the middle of a like 1939, a <laughs> uh, 1940 scene. What on earth? So you have to be careful. Look at your background. Make sure you know, is everything okay? Mm. That's why you need other pairs of eyes to look and check. Um, this is the time we were caught. How many times I've been saved on the day when somebody said, oh, take that out. All right? You know, people tell you things and you you, you need to to, um, take advantage of the people who are with you. Music, you should always film with the music in mind. Know that, oh, this scene is gonna be dramatic. I wanna have like a fast-paced piece of music here, or this is more uh, emotional. I'm gonna have like a really like a nice cinematic piece here. Think with the music. Use appropriate music for the pace of the film, for the mood of the film, very important. Number 19, sound over picture. People don't realize this. You can have a film with a dodgy shot. It's a little bit shaky. It's a little bit, it doesn't look quite right, but the sound is pucker, perfect. You can hear it in like 5.1 surround sound. Everything's clear, everything's where it's supposed to be. The sound design is perfect. Or you can have a scene where the visuals are absolutely brilliant you've got background blur, you've got the right characters in there, everything's moving nice, but the sound is terrible or it's below par. The second one is the less favorable. Get the picture right, sorry, get the sound right with the picture, but the sound is no less important than what you're watching. Because that's that, that's a, a, a part that's of the film that um, is sadly uh, neglected. Um, You can also make up for it by sound design. In post-production, you can um, fix certain things up, but certainly don't rely on that. Finally, don't get caught up in special effects. If you're doing a budget production and you've got a green screen and you're filming against the green screen, you want to replace the green background with with, uh, somewhere in Hawaii or something like that. It's great. It's been done before, but if you're doing it on a low budget, you can very easily mess it up because it's very, you know what's green screen? Green screen? Mm. Right. So green screen has to be removed in post-production and replaced with a different background. And you can get it slightly wrong and it will look awful. So don't worry about special effects and all this lightning bolts and other work simple, work with what you've got. This is also very important. You may work with a micro budget. My film, um, Unspoken, what budget we have? Zero budget. We did it with nothing. In fact, me and my fellow filmmaker paid for some of it. We hired some equipment in. (coughs) Actors were free. Cast was free. Everyone wanted to do it as a collaboration. You'd be surprised (coughs) what you can do with near to zero or zero budget. You can make a fan. What was that film? Um, Blair Witch Project. Blair Witch Project. It was a film made, the most simplest film. It became a really big hit. was a big cinema release, they made, I think, I don't know how many times over they made their money back from that film. It was made with like three people with one camera, done in basically on the most simplest of budgets. And it was a big hit. So you don't have to have the most massive budget. You you, you have to work in the misguerite, in the framework that you're given. You've got this how can i maximize this to make this look like this yeah and you can you'll be surprised speak to people do things on the fly do things in a really um uh, amateur way Sonder, for example we filmed that a guy <laughs> i can't believe we still did this right there was a scene where there was um, the, a beach house and there was a ca- um, a, a hospital crew an ambulance crew treating the main character and we had a shot where we had to back out of the house, and you have to see the beach in the background. And the God, the cinematographer made a track from wood. He made it at home. He like made got these planks of wood, and he cut, um, drilled the, the 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 bits out of it so the camera could go along the track on the dolly. And at the at the time, it was actually bumping up and down. Although they fixed that in post production. But a real track would have cost thousands and thousands. He made this in his home, costing bunkers like a couple of pounds. But it worked. It worked. Work with what you've got, and you'll be surprised how, how far that will get you. Okay, I hope that's that's um, inspired you at least in some way, either those here or hopefully those who'll be watching this uh, wherever it's shown um, you, to show that. Don't think in life you have to have the greatest experience and uh, 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 to be able to make a film or to tell a story or to make a piece of music. you can you can be an incredible songwriter and have your music written out in front of you and shown to you this is your song. Like for instance, um, Paul McCartney, you can write the music tab for Michelle or yesterday and show it to him. He wouldn't know it from Guns and Roses. He can't read music. He, he doesn't. He, he's not. A, he wrote all those songs without being a, a, somebody who's literate with with music. He just knows what he wants to hear and how he can play it. But to read music, he can't do. So why should that hinder you? I'm not saying don't learn to read music. I'm saying don't let it hold you back. If you've got a passion to make a film and you've got a decent subject and you're really you're obsessed with it. You'll be able to do it. Get the right people, um, get advice, and just go for it. Thank you very much for listening. Is that longer than an hour?